Good morning. Good to see you guys here once again. Well, we're going to continue our series on Advent Conspiracy. Remember, this Advent is an event that happened leading up to an event. That's what we're talking about. And so these talks have been about leading up to Christ being born, Christmas. And nothing says Christmas like an AK-47 with a dove on it. And so I'm hoping this pans out well. Did everyone get their bell? Let's hear them. Okay. If you didn't get a bell, there's more in the back. You can grab one. There's going to be a purpose, hopefully, about it. Okay, that's enough. Knock it off. Okay. If you didn't get a bell, raise your hand. If you have one, we know it. Okay. There's Bill, you didn't get a bell? And, and the front row, too. Okay. We'll wait for Bill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And as we go through, through the event of Christ, we're, we're going to look and pull out some things that I think are relevant to us today. In verse 1 it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to, of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, this story gives us a lot of understanding. We're going to stop there. This story gives us a lot of understanding of when Christ was born. And hopefully you all know that the calendar event is not historic. In other words, Christmas did not take place on December 25th. Okay, sorry. I know some of you, oh, what? It probably took place in the spring, maybe the summer, but there would not be shepherds out with their flock in the wintertime. And so we know it didn't take place in the winter, but what happened is as Christianity started to become very prevalent in the Roman Empire, 
there were other festivals that were taking place, and there was one that was called the Festival of Lights, and it would take place around the time of the winter solstice. And when the sun would be up for a short time, and then it would get dark, kind of like it does now, you know how it's like 4.30 and the sun's going down, and you're like, hey, where are you going? You know, I still got things I want to do. Don't quit on me now they would start seeing it getting dark. And so what they did was they had this festival of lights where they got these green trees, evergreen pine trees, and they would put lights all over them and it became this big festival where they would just indulge themselves with drinking and in eating so that they would be kind of just a, a total pagan drunk fest. Well, the Christians, those on the way, started saying, well, we want to have a way to celebrate something that we think is truly meaningful. So let's kind of go inside with this and make this Festival of Lights now about Jesus. And they started adding their own traditions to this pagan tradition, trying to redeem it, trying to buy it back, trying to make it of purpose. And, and so we have what we now have as Christmas that has kind of evolved from this taking place. And as the angels come to the shepherd, they say to them that they're going to bring them a sign. It's great. This will be a sign to you. First of all, angels would be a sign for me. Okay? We're going to bring you a sign. I'd be like, okay, no more signs are needed. You're angels. You're talking to me. I get it. But here is the sign we're going to give a baby will be born. Does that sound like a sign? What? Yeah, a baby was going to be born, but you see, something is, is deeper taking place. Something more important is taking place. And, and as they say this baby is going to be found wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, the company of heavenly hosts appeared, and the angels began praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And we saw already in verse 10 that he says, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So God's favor is now being extended to men. Peace on earth. The time where this was written, it was not peaceful. Rome was oppressing the Jewish people. In fact, most of their lives, the chosen people, the people who God gave a promise to have lived their lives in some form of slavery. Whether it was in Egypt, whether it was the Assyrians, whether it was the Babylonians or the Romans, for most of their history, they did not live as free people. And this angel comes and he says, peace on earth. And you have to think, well, okay, peace, what does peace look like? Because it doesn't look very peaceful right now. This doesn't seem what I would define as peace. This isn't my definition of what peace looks like. This seems to be more like slavery. This seems to be more like oppression. But you're saying peace, so I guess I can be expecting deliverance. And that's exactly what they had thought. And that's why in Isaiah chapter 9, another portion we're going to read. And we're going to focus on verse 6, but we're going to start at verse 1. 
Isaiah 9 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. A warrior's rejoice when dividing the plunder. And so he's giving them this picture, this picture of conquering. And even the illustration, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppression. Midian's defeat. If many of you remember in the book of Judges, there was a man named Gideon. Gideon was going up against this vast Assyrian army that numbered probably 500,000. Gideon had 3,000 men. And Gideon was praying, as you would be praying too, if you're in charge of 3,000 men going up against 500,000. And there are times where I guess God speaks loudly because Gideon and God are having this conversation and God says, so how many guys you got, Gideon? He goes, we got 3,000. And then God says, there's too many. I, I, I don't know if this is the right conversation. I don't know. Are you talking to me? There's too many. Ask whoever's afraid, and if they're afraid, they can leave. See, that would have included me. <laughs> okay, you got it. I'm out of here. So Midian does that. And 20,000 leave. Now he's got 10,000 men. And God says to him, there's still too many. I want you to go to the brook. And whoever lays down and starts drinking water on their belly, they need to leave. But whoever sits up and takes the water and is watchful and puts it to their mouth, those are the people I want you to keep. So can you imagine Gideon walking around the lake saying, oh, don't lay down, don't lay down, don't lay down, stand up, stand up. oh, okay. <laughs> and you see, God is looking for those who aren't afraid. He's looking for those who are going to stay watchful. Now, these other guys are drinking. Well, I've got all my guys around me. I, I can lay down and get a drink of water. But some people are still watching out to make sure they can get a drink of water. You see, sometimes it's not how many people you have with you. Sometimes it's a matter of having the right people with you so that you can get something done. And the numbers go down to 300. And then God gives Gideon instructions. I want you to take these lamps. I want you to put them in these clay jars. And I want you to go and march out around these people. When I shout out, I want you to break the jars. And you shout out the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Think if you're one of the 300, okay? This is our plan. You know, I'm going to go against these men. I've got a lamp and I've got a jar and a sword. I'd like a tank or something. I'd like a catapult but they do as the lord says and as they crash these jars and shout out they freak out they think they're surrounded and they start running because a lot of them are just mercenaries and so they don't really want to give their lives if they're being ambushed and they think they are and they run they start killing each other and as they run they even tell the other guys hey these guys are running through kill them as they're running through sure we'll do that and so gideon wipes out so this incredible 
victory. That's the picture Isaiah is painting out here. And so just as there was rejoicing from this miraculous victory that took place, verse 5 says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now what he's talking about is the boots was what they would wear. Those are something that it's needed for battle. And the garment that's covered in blood, they would carry a white garment. And if you died in battle, they would roll your body in this garment so that your blood would be on the garment and they would take that garment back to the family. And the family would keep that garment as a memorial, as a testimony of the battle. And also a memory of what the Assyrians did, of what your enemy has done. And so it was something kind of like when you would hang a flag out you know, saying this is a memory of the POW, something like that. We're not going to forget. And so here Isaiah is saying those boots that you use for war and that garment that means something, you need to burn it. Now the people are saying, what? Why, Why would we need to burn these garments? Why would we need to burn these things that are of value to us? He says, for to us, A child is born. And here it comes again. We're talking about battle. We're talking about war. We're talking about this incredible victory. And now we're talking about a baby. Oh, it's a baby. I mean, what do you do? It's like, oh, it's a baby. You make funny noises to it. You try and make it smile. But unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. It's so difficult to find peace. To have our lives just run at that kind of low RPM. Ever have your car where the accelerator sticks? And it's just there, running. Sometimes I feel like that's my life. Maybe it's the coffee. I don't know. (laughs) But it feels like, man, I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. And life is just constantly going, constantly under pressure, constantly just moving. And this idea of peace is this controlled serenity. It's slowing the RPMs down enough to be able to actually live and enjoy. And there's a a strange relationship with peace that we have because there is nothing you can do that will give you peace. In other words, you can't, you know, it's not about, well, if you buy this, if you buy that guitar, you will have peace. If you go to Hawaii, you will have peace might be beautiful, might be peaceful, but have you ever gone on vacation and you just carry the momentum of your life with you? Where you go on vacation, it's like, okay, what are we doing today? Okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? Okay, here's the plan, here's the plan. Okay, get the kids up at six, we got to do this. And then by the end, you need a vacation from your vacation, plus you're broke. And so it's like, well, that was fun. Okay, let's, let's do that again next year. And so you just move because you're moving at this pace. You're moving at the pace. You see, peace isn't something that you get. It's something that you have. And we try and get it by so many things. 
by doing these things. We try and do it by medicating ourselves. You know, you might smoke pot and feel calm, but you're not at peace. You, you might do these things and have this kind of idea, okay, this is nice, but it's not really peace because you bring peace with you. So how do you get it? Well, it's something that God gives through Jesus. You see, when he came, there will be peace on earth. When he came, he's the prince of peace. And so now peace becomes something that is given to us by God. And it's something that we have so that when stress comes or difficulties come, we align ourselves with the Prince of Peace and we find that peace now becomes a part of our lives. Have you ever noticed that when you're doing things that are outside of what you know God would be pleased with, that there's no peace in your life? That when you're treating your husband or wife badly, you don't have peace. When you're stealing or cheating or doing something that is dishonest or doing something to your own life that is damaging, there is no peace. You ever met a, a person addicted to drugs? You don't go to that person and go, man, they're so peaceful. They're just so calm. No, usually it's kind of like, hey, how's it going? Man, they're just like, man, what's with you, dude? You're tweaking why? Because their life isn't aligned with the Prince of Peace. And so trying to find things to bring you peace is endless. Aligning yourself with the Prince of Peace is where peace starts getting produced in our lives. Even in training, when I'm training dogs, you notice this. You know, they've got this little spastic dog and it's just yapping and going crazy. And then the lady comes up and she goes, I don't know what's wrong with my dog. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my dog. Can you make it do something? It's got to stop. I got to stop it barking. I was like, slow down, lady. Okay. Take, take a step back and put the coffee down. Your energy is affecting the dog. The dog's spastic because you're not controlled. <laughs> Your energy would cause those kinds of things to happen. Your even tension on the leash will make the dog think, what, why is there tension on the leash? Something wrong? There must be something wrong. Why, why are you holding me like this? It's got to be, must be something wrong. You want me to bite that person? I'll bite that person. Why? <laughs> and so you are creating this tension in this relationship with this dog. And we do it with people. We do it with people. We do it with each other. You come home and you just bring it with you. I can remember times coming home from work and, you know, I'd be just so stressed from my job and I'd be so stressed about bills and I'd be come home and I'd be, okay, we got to do this, we got to do this. And it's like, kids would come up, dad, are we going to be okay? Yeah, we're going to be fine. Why, why are you asking? We're going to be fine. Because you don't look fine. <laughs> Things don't seem fine because peace isn't there. And so peace comes because it's given by the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, for I am humble and meek. My, you will find rest for your souls. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so it's found in Jesus. And, and 
God desires peace for our lives. Jesus asked us to come to him. He's asked us to come and to learn of him. And so God desires peace for you and peace for me. And our world is riddled with war. It's riddled with stress. It's just thinking of all the the genocide that has taken place that we're aware of from Rwanda, Cambodia, to Germany. The times where just millions of people have been butchered because of their nationality. How many walls have been built? You know, there was the wall in Germany. There's the wall in Palestine. Before that, there was the Great Wall of China. We're going to keep these people out. We need walls to, to stop these people, and there's this barrier that seems to be between us as human beings. That God is wanting to bring peace and break down those walls. And so, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 18, it says, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. He's the one, he's the source. He is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. He's talking about the tension that was there with the Jewish people and the Gentile people. And Jesus himself has brought peace, and he's torn down the hostility, this wall, this barrier. His purpose was to create in himself One new humanity. I love that. Out of two, thus making peace. See, I'm going to take these people and I'm going to take these people and I'm going to make them one people. And that's going to bring the peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. And so the Prince of Peace has come. The one who is peace has come and he's taken the hostility in these groups of people and he brought them together and he says, I am going to make you a new humanity. Your identity is not going to be found in because you're Jewish, because you're Italian, because you're of Spanish or Mexican or Irish descent. You're now part of this new body, this new people that has me as its source of life, as its source of peace. I have bought that for you and now I can give that to you. How can you bring peace in the Middle East when you have these two fractions? You need to make a new humanity. And there is peace being made with people who are of different sex when they come to understand Christ because now they actually love their enemies. Now they actually care for others more than they do themselves. And so God is bringing about this peace in these people. 
he is wanting to make them one because those who were close, the Jews who were close to what was taking place and those who were far off, the Gentiles or the rest of the world, through him, through Jesus, both have access to the Father by the Spirit. They have access to the source of life. They have access to the source of peace. Why? Because of Jesus. Unto us, a child is born. I'm going to show you an incredible sign. You'll find a baby. Who's this baby? This baby is wonderful, a counselor. He is the prince of peace. And so in the Hebrew mind, to be right with God, there had to be a sacrifice. The sacrifice was made by the priests. And once a year, the priest would go into the holiest of holies, the very presence of God, and would atone for their sins, would make peace with God for them. And it's interesting because there were some things that he had to wear. In Exodus chapter 28 says, Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth with an opening for the head in the center. There shall be a woven edge like a collar around this opening so that it will not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. Hey, you guys get an idea? The bells, okay. I know some of them aren't gold. Forgive me. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he will not die. And so God said, I want you to put these bells on so when the people hear them, they know that he is going into the very presence of God and representing them to God, bringing the sin of the nation before God and dealing with it. And as they hear those bells ringing, they are aware this is what's happening. God is hearing our prayer. God is good with us. We are making peace with God. God is for us. God is giving us his favor. Peace on earth and goodwill, favor to those who God is pleased And as they would hear this bell, it was a noise that it's okay. It's good. I know there's been times where there have been difficult situations with my family. And when my kids are away. And there was a time when we didn't know where if one of my son was okay, he was hit by a car and then he was missing for a period of time. And I remember flying to go and try and find him, see where he was. Is he in a hospital? What's going on with him? Is he dead? And, And, you know, you're calling and you're calling and you're getting the voicemail. You're getting the voicemail. And then when I do land in New Orleans and I get a message, they found him. And then when I hear his voice, hi, dad, he's okay. He's okay. There was a sound when they heard that bell. It was saying, we're okay. It's okay. And so what this bell 
represents is the peace that God has given to those who found Jesus. The high priest, the prince of peace. This bell is that reminder that God has heard the prayer of our high priest on our behalf. And it's okay. He's satisfied. And we now have access to him because what has been done. And so what I want to do in closing, and the reason I went to Hobby Lobby and got these bells, because I don't know why else I'd go there. Some of you I know love that place. It was it was terrifying. I, I... Is we're going to have a time of corporate prayer, but instead of all of us praying, as I pray, and something resonates with you, and you hear that and say, yes, that's my prayer too, you can just ring the bell. We're kind of going to have like a spoken word moment. You know, when we're doing the grassroots and someone says something you like, you, you click your fingers. But it's Christmas, and that's not very Christmassy, so we got bells instead. But understand this, that as we pray, we pray to the Prince of Peace. We, we pray to our High Priest who has entered into the very presence of God for us, representing us, and because of Him, we can live. Because of him, we can get the peace that he gives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The DNA of God is found in those who make peace. The evidence that you and I belong to God is that we make peace. That instead of coming into the room and causing stress, we are the people that come into the room and our RPMs are low. We're settled down and we are aware of God's grace in our lives. That we are able to stop and not panic. You ever are around people like that? They're just peaceful people. You just want to go put your head on their shoulder, don't you? Just like, can I just stay here? I like being with you. You're calm. You don't yell at me. You're nice. There's peace with you. We need to be people that make peace. Because that is the mark of God's children. Let's pray together. And as I pray, if there's something that resonates with you, ring the bell and let it be a symbol of solidarity, that this is us recognizing that God hears our prayer because of Jesus and that we can find that peace that God has for us through Jesus. Lord, we come to you and we are grateful that you have paid the way for us. Lord, that our sins have been purchased on the cross. And Lord, we are thankful that you not only have made a way for us, but you have made a way for those who we love and know. And God, we pray for our family members. 
Lord, those who we love who are living lives separated from your peace. Lord, who are in bad situations, who are hurting, who are abusing drugs, who are afflicted by addictions. Lord, who are living stressful lives separated from you. Lord, may they see that a marvelous day has come, that a child has been born, that a son has been given, that God is with us. And Father, may we be the people who are able to bring the example of peace in their lives. May they see you in us. And may our lives reflect your peace, your love, and your mercy. And may we be the people who make peace at our workplace, at our schools, in our families. May we be the people who bring peace to our community. And may they see our good deeds and glorify you who are in heaven. God, we confess our shortcomings and our struggles. We confess that we have not represented you well in the past. And we need your peace to be able to move forward. Lord, you've told us to ask, and so we ask that you would give us this peace. That you would give us your serenity, your shalom at this time. And through this season, may we point to the child who was born, the son who was given, the one who has made peace possible. And may we allow that peace to change us and the world around us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Gives jingle bells a whole new meaning, doesn't it? All right, let's stand together. God bless you guys. Danny's going to close us in a song, and we'll talk to you later.